Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 507 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses, and I'm your host. We talk about all things to do with the world of writing, publishing, and how you can succeed as an author or writer. I have another bonus episode for you this week and a little surprise for you. But before we get to meet our wonderful author this week, who also has a podcast of her own, I wanted to share this with you because, well, I'm sure regular listeners will know that I'm a bit of a word nerd. You know, I love words. I love a bit of etymology or how words came about. So did you know that the word apron used to be spelled with an N as in Infinelli? The word was Napron. So we used to say a napron rather than an apron. <laughs> it comes from the old French naperon, which means small cloth, which itself comes from the Latin napa, N A P P A. And so, as you can see, it's related to words like napkin and nappy and also map because maps were drawn on cloth back in the day. When the spelling or sound of a word is split in the wrong place, like napron becoming apron, it's called false division or misdivision. Other falsely divided words in English, because I'm I'm sure you're hanging to know, are umpire, which comes from the French numpère, with an N at the front as well, newt, as in the little lizard, which was originally ute, as in E-W-T, and adder, as in snake, which in Middle English was nadder, with an N. So there you go. I hope that was interesting to other word nerds out there. But now for my surprise. As you know, I run a giveaway every week on this podcast where you have a chance to win a new release book. And that hasn't changed. That's still going on. But for this bonus episode, I'm running an additional giveaway this week. So you'll find the details on how to enter within the Facebook group, as in the listener community on Facebook. If you're not sure what that is, just join. It's free to join. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join because we've got a lot going on in there and a few surprises just like this. And you'll want to enter because this week I'm giving away books and movie passes. I have three copies of Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris to give away, and you'll also receive movie passes to the new movie of the same name that's just been released. Well, it's about to be released. It's going to be released on the 27th of October, 2022. It stars Leslie Manville, and Jason Isaacs, who I like very much, and a bunch of other big name actors. So as I said, the movie is being released on the 27th of October, and it was originally a book. So this is great timing for you to have an excuse to go to the movies. If you're not familiar with the story, here's a bit about it. Mrs. Harris is a salt-of-the-earth London charlady who cheerfully cleans the houses of the rich. One day, when tidying Lady Dance's wardrobe, she comes across the most beautiful thing she has ever seen in her life, a Dior dress. In all the years of her drab and humble existence, she's never seen anything as magical as the dress before, and she's never wanted anything as much before. Determined to make her dream come true, Mrs. Harris scrimps, saves, and slaves away until one day, 
After three long, uncomplaining years, she finally has enough money to go to Paris. When she arrives at the house of Dior, Mrs. Harris has little idea of how her life is about to be turned upside down and how many other lives she will transform forever. Always kind, always cheery, and always winsome, the indomitable Mrs. Harris takes Paris by storm and learns one of life's great lessons along the way. There you go. I mean, seriously, Paris, Dior, Jason Isaacs, make sure you enter. So how do you enter? Make sure you go over into the Facebook group and answer the question in the pinned post. And it's going to be a little bit of fun because basically when you get your first or next publishing deal, if you've already been published, what are you going to treat yourself with? Just like Mrs. Harris has. All right. Over in the Facebook group, just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. See you there. Now let's move on to our writer in residence for this episode. Danny V's picture book, My Extraordinary Mum, is published by Larrikin House and her unlucky dad, six picture book series and a short story in a crime fiction anthology are coming soon. Let's have a chat with Danny V. Thank you so much for joining us today, Danny. Hi, Val. This is uh, pretty surreal. Long time listener, long time fan. And here I am, the interviewee, which is, can I say, really uncomfortable being on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because Danny, of course, is a fellow podcaster. She's got a great podcast, Words and Nerds, which we'll talk about um, later. But first of all, congratulations on your book, your picture book, My Extraordinary Mum. This has been a while in the making. Now, let's just have a chat first about why you wanted to write this book and where you got the idea from. What's it about? Yeah, well, My Extraordinary Mum is, I guess, hopefully pushing boundaries against how mums are perceived in society, in dominant narratives and in, you know, lots of mainstream television. And I think the idea came to me when I was speaking to my kids and they just have assumed that I'm the one that makes them brush their teeth and I'm, you know, that mum who's always like, eat your vegetables, you know, all the normal stuff that kids need to do to stay alive. Um, but what I didn't realize was that they didn't know all the things that I'd done pre them. And so when I started saying, oh, I went overseas to Europe on my own, they couldn't believe it, you know. Um, then they started asking about, you know, I've got two tattoos. They're asking me, oh, where did you get those? And then I started taking them as they got older, rock climbing and rollerblading, because these are things I love to do. And I thought, how interesting is it that people can live with you <laughs> for years and years and years and not actually know you? And so part of it was dreamt out of my frustration with the perception of women and mothers and what happens to you after you have a mother because often the case is where you are a mother of two and everything else sort of goes to the wayside and um yeah just having ho hopefully opening up those conversations where kids can actually know the whole you not just the mum that says go to bed brush your teeth do your homework <laughs> I love it. And the illustrations by Alexandra Colombo are gorgeous and they really um, add to the text as well. Did you always want to be a picture book author? 
Picture books have always been really magical to me as a kid. I remember reading them and being a really early reader. And when I had my own children, they became even more special because for me, they weren't just picture books. They were memories and they were moments of putting my kids to bed of the first books that you read them and you read them over and over again, as parents will know. And so I'd been dabbling in sort of different genres, but picture books were always kind of something that I always wanted to do. So having this as a debut book is pretty special because I've always seen them as special and more than just a book. Yes, I absolutely love picture books. They really resonate with me. They um, connect with me emotionally. Mm -hmm. I can feel uh, pain (laughs) sometimes Mm -hmm. through picture books um, and stress through picture books. So with um, uh, this picture book, is this going to be your thing? Are you going to be a picture book author? Well, I hope so. I have um, a number of book deals for picture books with Larrikin House and um, another series coming out, which is completely different to this one, whereas this is sort of, you know, heart and soul, trying to push against boundaries. I hope it's still quirky, but it was more of that, you know, trying to make a bit of a statement, whereas the other one that's coming out next year is just this complete slapstick, funny, fun, joyful story, you know, that I hope kids will enjoy. Um, So I hope so. I hope that's the plan. I really enjoy writing for kids because I think being an adult is, you know, serious business, which is sometimes unpleasant and being able to go back and, you know, write for kids, for joy, finding humour, finding the silliness in life. And I'm lucky at the moment that I have a test audience at the right age. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do when they grow up because that (laughs) test audience is amazing. That that's not funny. That's not funny. That's funny. And I don't think you can get a better test audience than the age group of kids who are actually going to be picking up your book. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the next series is Unlucky Dad, is that right? So can you tell us a little bit about what that's going to be about? Yeah, sure. So I was, I've been doing a little bit of work for Larrikin House here and there in publicity and, you know, getting uh, their authors into writers' festivals, et cetera. And we are just having a talk about the slush pile. And the publisher, James, said, I've always wanted a story about an unlucky dad. And I said, you know, I, I see the humour in that because my dad, right, I remember growing up and my dad was always in hospital or getting, because he was a big sports player, big soccer player, and he just went hard, always thought he was 20, even when he wasn't, and he was always getting injured. And so I remember my childhood was sitting in waiting rooms of doctors and hospitals waiting for him to get his shoulder back in its socket and hearing him scream. And this just became normal for me, you know, and then he was water skiing and doing all these things and he still does and so when he said that I said oh I really I hate the hapless dad you know I think that's been done I think that's a tired narrative and so I said what if this dad is super enthusiastic which is something I can relate to if he's engaged and loves his kid and just wants to take them out and experience the world and never says no to anything but he just happens to be really unlucky and so I gave it a crack and um, I think one of the test audiences, one of them is um, Unlucky Dad Goes Fishing and I'm not a fisher person. I have no idea about fishing. I watch lots of YouTube videos about fishing, but it turns out the publisher and, you know, one of his mates are serious fishermen. So he read it to his friend and his friend spilt his cup of tea on his lap from laughing and we went, we think we might be onto something. <laughs> so, Brilliant. Brilliant. That's that story. <laughs> Now you're you're forging ahead with this career as an author, but you have actually been a teacher in the past. Is that right? Yep. So Seventeen what, years in the classroom. Wow. So that's English teaching. <laughs> yep, English teacher and an English head teacher. And so, at what point did you think? Because seventeen years is a while, and presumably you weren't thinking, 
I'm going to do this um, author thing for the whole time. When did you kind of think, I want to try this? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I remember going right back before teaching as a kid, loving those golden books. My mum used to buy me heaps of golden books. I still have them with a date on them, you know, 1980, wow. whatever. Um, you know, they're like little relics in my house. And so I have like 200 of those because my mum used to buy them all the time. And so I always thought they're not all relevant, Val, can I say. Some of them I'm like, oh, I'll put that one in the bin because it's about mum bringing dad's slippers to the door when he gets home from work. I'm like, well, toss that one out. <laughs> Don't want the kids to be reading that one. But, um, so, but some of them really stand the test of time or they're, you know, quite nostalgic. And so back way back then I was writing stories and part of the podcast was just to try and understand, you know, the process of writing, etc., a little bit better. But as an English teacher, I was always writing in the classroom, you know, creative writing is part of that. So I'd write samples for the kids and, you know, it always had done that. Um, and then I was engaging authors to come into the classroom. And so I'd always loved it, but you know, I was always afraid. I was always afraid I wasn't good enough. I'm still afraid that I'm not good enough because, and then particularly the podcast, you know, you interview these incredibly talented people. And the question is always, you know, what have I got to contribute after I've spoken, spoken to Jackie French, Elliot Pullman, you know, Jack Heath, all these incredibly talented people. But I think you just really have to put that aside give it a crack and see what happens. You know, my philosophy in life is it's much worse not to do it. You know, people always say you're so busy with the podcast and then how do you do this and that? And I, I think my answer is always it's much harder for me not to try than to fail or to be busy or to not get what you want in the end. You know, I'd rather have tried 500 times and fail 500 times than have looked back on my life and not have ever done it. <laughs> now, in terms of your podcast, Words and Nerds, what have you, did you have any kind of system to take learnings out of the chats with authors and apply them to your own writing? It was completely as a, as an accident, kind of an accident, you know, like I thought I'd learned, but there was no structure to it. Basically I was in the trenches of little kids. I had craved conversations about books which I didn't get because I wasn't working so I was on a really extended maternity leave with two kids really close together and I craved those conversations about about literature about books about process about stories and that's the way that I did it and the question I had was I wonder if authors would want to talk about their work because I really want to hear from them you know and that's when I was analyzing texts in the classroom with kids we'd always try and contact the author or bring them in and I thought imagine if I could do that for every book I read and so I just started having conversations and I think it's interesting because when I look back to the first conversations they were very book focused you know what's the book about where's the process etc etc and as the podcast has evolved it's more conversations yes it's about the book but it's also about you know where your inspirations come from and what is life like a writer and how did these ideas come to you and how are you helping how does that help you you know see yourself so the conversations have kind of evolved from you know that big picture of where the literature comes from in themselves because I think you know you can read your book and I, I always think that once art is into the world it doesn't always belong to the person who created it anymore it creates to the observer or the reader as well and so I really like that insight into um you know the artist's mind so yeah I just really crave those conversations and look mm. I didn't know if anyone would listen I thought yeah maybe my <laughs> mum <laughs> might give it a crack every now and then but um you know as you probably well know yourself the pandemic really helped um i think lift podcasts um and people i think people were searching for connections and you know that was one way of getting mm. connections when you were trapped in your house <laughs> 
so let us talk about how you fit it in because that is a valid question from your friends because you do work still, but you're writing all these picture books now. You've got more coming out apart from My Extraordinary Mum. You you are very busy. You, 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 you've got your own podcast. What does your week look like when, or more specifically, when is it that you do the writing? <laughs> yes. I really had to put um, specific time away for that because that's the thing that can be put aside continually because you have to pick up your kids, you have to cook them dinner. Of course, I want to as well, but, you know, they have to. <laughs> um, you have to go to work if I want to keep feeding my children and myself and living in a house. Um and so I've really had to carve out time for that. And the podcast, as you would well know yourself, gets quite demanding. So you get a lot of emails, a lot of pictures, and you want to say yes to as many people as you can because it's a really hard industry. You know, and I know that myself that, you know, not many people care that you've written a book. So it's really nice when someone does and they take the time. So I've really had to pull back a little bit on the podcast. And that's why I've had lots of people do takeovers and spin offs because I don't actually want to create all the content. I think it's good to have variety for my podcast. And so I've had to carve out times. I'm like, okay, this is going to be my uninterrupted time where I write. And I do put my kids to bed early, A, because they need it, B, because it really works for my life. What time is that? 7.30. Okay, so when do you when you say you've had to carve out time, yep. is it a set time each week? When is it? It's usually around that sort of put the kids to bed and then before I sort of go and do something else. So at that 7.30 to 9 p.m. time when I'm not pod- podcasting, I podcast two nights a week. And I really love when I can write in the, a Saturday or a Sunday morning. And my kids are pretty self-sufficient now so they can get up, they can grab something to eat, they can do their thing. And so I often just stay in bed, grab my laptop, and that's that's my favourite time to write. First thing in the morning on a weekend, um, that's when I seem to in be. In bed? Um, yeah, in bed. <laughs> that seems to be my my where my brain's the best. I also write in, on planes because I've been on, you know, going from place to place recently, and mm-hmm. so I, I use that time when I'm in you know, the airport or if I'm on the plane. I'm like, okay, because it's so easy to get distracted by socials or you know yeah. waste your time, and I, I I make sure I'm like, nope, this is like a really solid hour that I won't be interrupted. Right. Okay, so obviously My Extraordinary Mum is out. You are currently writing the Unlucky Dad series. What um, method do you have for that in terms of do you know all of the things that are going to happen? Do you outline first? What happens? I like to use pen and paper still for my very really? first my very first drafts. I like to do that and I just like to make a mess. So I have this gigantic mind map and this is up a lot of my writing process is thinking, right? So I reckon 70% of it is just thinking and then I'll like research and look up YouTube or whatever I need to do to get the picture of what I'm looking for. And then I'll get my, my piece of paper and my pen and I will just mind map. And then because with these kind of picture books, the ante has to be upped as you go along. And then I start ordering the ideas that I have, you know, obviously from they get worse and worse and worse or more ridiculous as you go along. And then I start divvying them up into stanzas. So then it starts to get a bit structured. So first it's great because it's all these great brainstorming and my page is a mess and no one else would understand a word on it, but that's how my brain looks. Then I start to get structured and go, okay, how many spreads am I going to have? Is it 24 or 32? What's my rhyme scheme? Is it going to rhyme? And then I start slotting it into the stanzas. And I spend a lot of time if I'm rhyming. My extraordinary mum is in prose, but I'm still really obsessed with rhythm. Um, 
because I've read a lot of poetry in my life and taught a lot of poetry, but my unlucky dad is in rhyme. And so I spend a lot of time on rhyme zone and synonym.com. And sometimes this is ridiculous, but it can take me half a day to get a stanza or two lines that I love because I've looked up 10 synonyms and I've gotten rhyming words for all of those synonyms. And then I'm trying to put it together like a puzzle. But when you do get that line that works, it's such a gift, you know, so I don't care how long it takes me. I just, I know if I pursue it and persist, it will probably happen. And that's so true when you say it can take all day to get two lines Mm. of rhyme because people think that rhyme is easy or not easy, but they think, oh, it just needs to rhyme, but it can't just rhyme. (laughs) It's actually the, the choice of words if you do rhyme is so important that it is very, very, very difficult to do well, to do well. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I think it makes complete sense that your first picture book is in prose because so many people try to do the rhyming thing first and, quite frankly, they fail (laughs) Um, because they actually are focusing on the rhyme and not on the story. story. Yeah. And with Um, Unlucky Dad it was a bit different because I tried it in prose because my extraordinary mum was in prose. I thought, oh, I'll just mm. start it in prose. But I found it I wasn't as funny in prose because, Mm. you know, extraordinary mum is, you know, a bit quirky, but I wouldn't say it's sort of got what I'm hoping to achieve with the Unlucky Dad series is that kind of more laughing sort of experience, hopefully. Um, And I found that when I moved it into rhyme, I was like, oh, there's the humour. Like I found the humour. So it's in like the rhythm and the beats and, you know, um, the time you spend rhyming and, and unexpected things that wouldn't have come from your head and mm. you see it on the page with all your synonyms and you're like, oh, that's the word. Like I wouldn't have thought of that. So, you know, that process actually does help you expand what your own mind already knows. <laughs> yes, and, and that and that makes perfect sense because you had that grounding in prose in your first yeah. book because it's, it's just I, I really um, um, – see a lot of authors try to do rhyme first and it doesn't, it just doesn't quite work. I think you're right. I think people underestimate how painful and how long rhyming should take. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So in terms of the combination of things that you do, because you, you, you're working, you know, you're doing all these things, you've got a family <laughs> to be responsible for. What's the, what are you working towards? What, uh, what's the grand master plan? Wow, that is an amazing question, which I'm not sure that I have the answer to. And I might just find the answer in the next five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've always my life has been better when I've said yes to things, you know, and so do I want to write a picture book? Yes. Do I want to go rock climbing? Yes. Do I want to do this? Yes. And sometimes it doesn't always work out, right? Sometimes you think, nope, that's not for me, but at least I've tried it. So I think for me, if I'm looking at everything, obviously, like I'd love to be an author until, you know, I'm 101 because that has been a real bucket list goal for me. But I think if you're talking overall, I kind of just want to have the best kind of life experiences as you can. And I'm the worst person for FOMO because I'm like, I want to try that. And I'll see, I'll be walking down the street and someone will be doing something cool. I'm like, I want to try that. I want to try that. I want to try that. I'm not saying this is a good quality battle, <laughs> but um, <laughs> my brain is kind of that, let's just do this. And, you know, I guess that's why, you know, I've been bungee jumping and I've traveled and I've done some things that take me out of my comfort zone. And like I said, they don't always work out. 
but I like the idea of just saying yes to life. And I think once I clicked my brain over to just say yes to life, because, you know, it's no secret that I've experienced, you know, pretty bad anxiety throughout my life and still do. And anxiety is based so much on fear. And I could easily say no to everything because I'm literally afraid of everything. Um, I don't know that my personality shows that, but inside I'm just afraid of everything. And so I think saying yes to everything forces you to stop being afraid and go just do it you know what's the worst that can happen and look bad things can happen if you go bungee jumping or if you go rock climbing (laughs) but you just got to say yes anyway and take those um you know take those risks you know you go bungee jumping and they've tested everything you know it's kind of like a, a risk that is a thought out risk you know i'm not jumping off the roof of my house (laughs) (laughs) okay i love that attitude so um uh i have no doubt this is going my extraordinary mum is going to be super successful it's such a great book and it's such a great idea and i can just see so many people buying it for their kids um so tell, and, and now, as we say, you, you, you're busy writing your next lot of books. Tell us then, um, what are your top three tips for aspiring writers who want to be who want to be saying yes to, <laughs> to, to, to one day being in a position where you are? Well, I feel like a bit of a fraud with one book um, out in the world. So I just want to put that little disclaimer in that you can totally discount my tips if you like, because I have one book so far to prove for it. But I loved, always loved what Trent Dalton said, and this really resonated with me. And this is what formed this book. And he just said, all the technical stuff's great, but you've got to put your heart and the soul on the page. And this was really important to me about reclaiming your identity, about rebuilding yourself after motherhood, about, you know, claiming your space in the world. You know, I'm more than this. I'm a sum of all these parts. I'm not just a mum or just a this. So they were really important to me. And it was really important to me as well to expand that, you know, relationship I have with my kids and, and show each other that we're whole people. And so that heart and the soul on any page, on anything you write has to be number one for me. You know, the the rhyme and all that stuff, so important, but without the heart and soul, like you said, you know, you said you can feel pain when you read books. Mm -hmm. And that's when you know the author has also felt pain when writing it. So I think that's got to be the number one tip. Um, The second is just, I think you kind of have to take risks in this business. You know, I was always so afraid because I didn't think I had, had not good enough itis. I still suffer from it. But when we interviewed, you know, you were one of them, Val, we interviewed lots of people for our, um, you know, different episodes. And this was the Publishing Insider. You know, I, I thought that maybe I could be a fit for Larrikin House because I sort of got the humour. And so I just took that risk and said, can I pitch something to you? And then what I did was as a podcaster, I didn't write the manuscript. I write the manuscript, but I submitted it in a podcast form. <laughs> So I, I just, I recorded it and I sent the recording and they were like, this is really different because I, I thought, cause I'm obsessed with rhythm. And so I thought the manuscript really needed, you know, for me to show the rhythm. And so calculated risks can be good because that was something that stood out to this particular publisher. I'm not saying that you should recite and record 90,000 word crime novel. To like, no, problems. like don't, saying, all. don't ever do that. <laughs> but sometimes it's okay to take risks. And I did send the document as well. I said, here's a Word document. However, because I'm also a podcaster and I'm obsessed with rhythm, I've also recorded it. Feel free to disregard that. But that was something that sort of stood out to the publisher. And I think 
I think the next thing is community. Like you will not get a better community than the riding community, than particularly the kid lit community. And you just have to get yourself into it. And if you don't want to start a podcast, just go to literary events and talk to people. How excited are authors when you come up and go, I just loved your work. You know, that's the best thing you could Mm. ever say to a creator. And just ask lots of questions and become that community. Because what I've realized now is that everyone is just so supportive and so encouraging and so willing to share their experiences with you and their knowledge and their tips and you know I always say if the world was a little bit more like the writing community we'd have an amazing world because there's nothing like this community Val like Mm. it's amazing and that's why you know I've always been a cheerleader of everybody's work as you have on on the podcast because why not celebrate everything you know I hate those conversations about oh what should we celebrate I know everything I love it. That is so true what you're saying about the writing community. It's one of the most supportive and nurturing and lovely well, communities out there. And um, I, there, there's nothing to lose to become a part of it because everybody is so encouraging um, and, and motivating and really do want to cheer you on. Um, uh, and, and you've been such a, such a, you know, important part of it as well. So I think that um, your book, my Extraordinary Mum is awesome. Absolutely loved it. Loved the text. Loved the illustrations. Congratulations. And thank you so much for your time today, Danny. Oh, well, I can't thank you enough for having me on. It is still surreal when you've been listening to you and your podcast and all the incredible people you've got on. And here I am. I have Everywhere I go now, I feel like a fraud. I went into Booktopia and went, I don't belong here. So I'm still getting over everything. But thank you so much for your time. It's you know very much appreciated. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd love to create your own picture book, a popular five-week course in writing picture books will show you how. In less than a few hours a week, you'll discover what you need to know about point of view in a picture book, structure and pace, as well as language and rhythm, finding the right voice, working with illustrators, publishing options and much more. Complete it online for ultimate convenience and receive personalised tutor feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash picturebooks. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Danny V and if you're interested in writing your own picture book, go for it. You can make it happen just like Danny. We've now reached the end of this bonus episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please do feel free to connect with me on social media, especially in the Facebook group. As I mentioned, I'm going to be dropping in a few Easter eggs here and there, not actual Easter eggs. I'm sure you know what I mean. Little surprises here and there. So it'll be great to see you in there. Remember, just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. In the meantime, you can connect with me on social media at Valerie Koo, K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com if you want to have a peek at what I do in my other life. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone, and I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writercentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.